This episode is brought to you by Naval Ravikant and his legendary quote, In patience with action, patience with results. Welcome to the Stefan Dyer Podcast, my people. Hello, my people. ¿Cómo están, my friends? How's everybody doing? Welcome to the Stefan Dyer Podcast, where I welcome people with remarkable stories for amazingly vulnerable conversations. My name is Stefan Dyer, former banker turned comedian, and today I have the amazing, the unbreakable, the unmistakable, the highly capable Hannah Gorlick. Hannah Gorlick is a dynamic brand designer and sales funnel strategist specializing in the online education space. <laughs> Let me tell you, she is a powerhouse. Hannah empowers women to shine on social media by embracing their authentic brand and crafts strategic funnels that drive growth for digital courses and coaching programs. With over 100 designed funnels, Hannah's clients have been featured on Forbes, TEDx, Business Insider, and more. Hannah's this is my favorite part by the way. Hannah's journey is colored by uh, is colored with an ADHD field creativity underscored by her obsession with energy management. Oh my god. This episode was insane. You got to follow Hannah on Instagram. Design with Hannah. We talk in this episode. We talk about her origin story. She was jobless at the beginning of the pandemic and now she's doing outstanding things how did she get there she only works with women how and why did she make that decision one of my favorite things about her is her only working with women adhd creativity adhd fueled creativity oh man that was fantastic uh brand design and sales funnel strategy for dummies how could we talk about that as if we were talking to a 10-year-old and how it's applicable to newcomers, The Artist's Way, the book that changed my life, personal branding, mental health, and a lot about self-awareness. You cannot miss this episode, my friends. If you like it, please go and hit the, in fact, hit it right now. Hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, anywhere you're listening to this episode. It really helps us get in front of other amazing podcasts but we want to be up there so you listen to more of our episodes you're never going to miss an episode again and most importantly go follow hannah at design with hannah go follow me if you like what i do and if you want to go see me perform live go to stefandire.com or balpensando.com i'm about to perform three shows in costa rica september 15 16 and 17 on the beach at playa dominical two shows in english one show in spanish and then we got a lot of other shows, especially Latin Comedy Fest, October 20, 21, and 22, with 25 of the best Latin comedians coming to Toronto. Three nights, 25 comics. You cannot miss it. And now, my friends, please enjoy Hannah Gorlick in three, two, one. Good. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Stefan Dyer podcast. I have here the incredible, the unbreakable, the unmistakable, the highly capable Hannah Gorlick, brand designer and 
sales funnel strategist. Hannah, how are you? Wow. That is the best intro I think I've ever had. I'm so great. Thank you. <laughs> I've known you as, as we heard in the intro with through Dan Martel's elite coaching program. And we've, we've chatted on Instagram. We've chatted through the weekly sit, uh, the, the weekly coaching calls on, on zoom. We, we see each other's stories and I'm so excited to like finally talk because I feel like if, if this were like, I mean, this is real life, but if, if we lived in the same city, I think we'd be fucking amazing friends. <laughs> totally. Such a good vibe. I always see your little picture on zoom. You're just always beaming ear to ear and like yes. super engaged. So I, I vibe with that hard. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, especially when, when I, when I won that contest, I'm going to Kelowna next week. <laughs> Oh, is it next week? Woo! Next yeah, week. baby, celebrate. Congratulations to you. Yes, I'm super excited. And how did you how did you feel? Like what were your internal functions when you found that out? You know, I was I was talking to my 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 therapist the other day and I was like it we felt it felt like I was like it was a big not not a big fuck you to everybody, but it was a not not to the people in the group, obviously, but to, to life. <laughs> um, it was a big I told you to, to the world that like Snaps. Um, as as people know, this 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 course is, is not is it's a it's a big investment. It's over ten thousand dollars. So for the whole year. So it's not like I have 10 G's just like in my pocket. And uh, and it was like, man, I I knew it. I knew there was something good here. I, I was so happy that I followed my mm. m my senses. My I don't even know what the word is, but I followed my 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 sixth sense, if 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 that's the word. And I knew this was the. I I read so many books. I've taken so many courses. And when I read Dan's book, uh, I was like, man, there's something here. And and when I first talked to to Dan in the chat, I felt like this is a lot of money. I don't have that money right now. Let's put on the line of credit. And I told my wife, this oh, is like my scary. real life MBA. You know, I, I know there's something good here. And boom, I went. So for context for our listeners, you're probably already going to be seeing this because by the time the episode comes out, um, I, I may be in Kelowna. So uh, it's uh, I won a half day coaching session with multi-millionaire Dan Martell. I don't even know how much this session is worth, maybe like $30,000. And I'm getting flown into Kelowna, BC to to hang yeah, out. Yeah. And it's like incredible. And meeting all of you, it's it's like, it's it's almost like, I'm like, wow, man, these this is my tribe, you know? How have you felt? Oh, I relate. I like... I feel really good energy. And honestly, my whole, whenever I get on IG in the morning, the top stories to watch are mostly coaching clients and everybody's doing, doing super inspiring shit. Just like waking up early, putting it in, staying on their commitments, honoring their calendar. And it's just good fucking energy. Like it's a group of people who want to grow, want to scale and are looking to connect with like minds. And as somebody who like works alone, a lot of the time works in a silo, the community aspect of like aligned people has been super crucial. Absolutely. When I see your stories on Instagram, I, I actually have a, a really good friend, Maria Sainz from Guatemala. 
but she lived in here in, in Toronto. And she actually did the branding from for my podcast, like the picture, the the lettering and everything. And I sent her your Instagram because I'm like, I know you're going to like Hannah. Shit. She's a designer, too. And she does a lot of a lot of stuff. And uh, when I, when I see you and this is probably me just. Uh, m- maybe it's not it's it's not accurate, but when I see you, I'm like, man, she had like no fucks given just unapologetically herself. I, I don't under I don't really know because I'm because I'm not like in your world how you feel or what has had to happen so you get to this point. Mm. But I'm like she knows some fucking things I don't, and I want to <laughs> hang out. <laughs> I want to hang out with with Hannah, and I'm like I gotta have Hannah on the podcast because a, a, as you know, this new this new season is called How to Influence People and Achieve Meaningful Jobs, especially for my Latino newcomer audience who who can really benefit from inspiring stories. So I know that at the beginning of the pandemic, because I saw one of your stories, you, you were, you were unemployed. It was the beginning of the pandemic. How have you gone from that to today when you're just having incredible clients doing great things in this program? What was, what was that journey like? Mm a journey of a lot, a lot of emotions, a lot of ups and downs. Obviously that's like the core trauma, I suppose, of entrepreneurship is just the uncertainty and the pushing through. Yeah. And I've, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've, I, I worked retail jobs and the, the gotta have customer service jobs when I was in high school and college. But as soon as I graduated college, I never worked at an office. I never went into like corporate world. I just was like allergic, I guess. Totally fucking allergic. What did you study? Strategic communications. So I always really liked branding and design. One of, I had a little, I had a classmate who was like, she was working for a PR agency and she was doing logo design and website design. I thought, oh, that's so cool. And so every entrepreneurial thing I've ever done has always just been an excuse to use my design and communication skills in some way. And it's just, no matter what I've done, it's always been, I listened to a podcast episode with Alex Ramosi the other day, and he said that he wasn't yeah. all—he wasn't always doing the right thing, but he was directionally accurate. And I've like never felt more aligned of like, that's kind of how all of my entrepreneurial things have felt is like, they've never been the thing, but they've always been moving me in the direction. And then when COVID happened, that was like the unlock to finally being like, this isn't just directionally accurate. Like this is fucking it. Like this is what I meant to do. This encompasses all my skills, my strengths, my passions, my joy, my reason for being. And it becoming a designer and like stepping into that identity and finding my voice and finding the girlies that I help and the things that I grit to create for them. Like I've just never felt so in my passion and in my purpose. And it's just been all of those directionally accurate opportunities that have finally brought me to the thing. And now that I'm in the thing, I will never fucking quit. Like (laughs) we are, we are here and, and I am ready. So that's like, that's, that's just a high level overview. We can dive into the deets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the one of the things that I 
remember the most, like the first time I, I kind of uh, met you indirectly was in one of these calls, in one of the coaching calls, which for a context is approximately 80 to 110 people every Wednesday in these coaching calls where Dan Martell will teach you something about marketing, sales, or operations in like 10, 15 minutes, and then it's open for a Q&A. So yeah. I think one of the one of the first sessions when I joined, I think in June, you said that you only worked with with women entrepreneurs or or with women, and I was like, that's fucking incredible. And I was like, I need to. I, I think I followed you immediately. Oh, what I love led that. you? What what led you to to make this decision? And how? And when did you specifically make it? Hmm. Great question. I love that question. There's a lot of layers to it. There's a layer, we could talk about both. Layer one is like, it was just right place, right time, circumstance. And yeah. layer two is like, I was working on some inner child healing and doing some like deep trauma work. And so the two kind of go together. So yeah. if we talk, if we talk about layer one being that when I first started working as a designer, and at the beginning of my story is that before COVID, I was running a technology startup for real estate agents. I founded an app. That's how I found Dan. He was like my Bible while I was building this tech startup for like three years. All of his, wow. his YouTube channel was like, I couldn't get enough, right? It was like, he was my mentor, unofficial. And so, th so that really does all come full circle here. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was the, like, that was pre-COVID, COVID. COVID I lost everything. It fucking blew up. I was like 30 or $40,000 in debt from building this application. I'd invested all of my time. I was at total rock bottom. Like, what the hell am I going to do? All of these crazy life circumstances brought an, a long lost cousin woman of mine, her name's Janae, into my life right around this time. And she was running a really successful online coaching business, teaching mostly women how to grow an online business using Instagram by monetizing their skills. So women who were um, not affiliate marketing, like women who had real, real technical skills, putting their businesses online. And so she was already doing this pre-COVID. Then when COVID hit, her coaching business obviously blew up because her message was resonating with all of these new women who are now unemployed. So as her business is blowing up, and my business is imploding. <laughs> she offered to hire me because she, she knew I could design websites. She knew that I knew how to do branding because I'd done the, I built the website and I did all the branding for my startup and all the other fucking entrepreneurial things I've been doing for the last, you know, <laughs> however many years. And so she's like, all right, bitch, whatever. I'm going to take a chance on you. Why don't you, why don't you come into my business? And like, I'm going to give you the 411 on how online, the online coaching world and sales funnels and personal branding work. And so I got a crash course to working with her. And I mean, within the few months that we worked together, she literally taught me everything. I just, I learned so much about the online coaching world, about building a personal brand on social media, about monetizing your skills. And it, it was just really clear to me that it encompassed everything that I love. I'm very strategic minded. I'm a fantastic fucking copywriter. I'm a great designer. And so 
stepping into this work. And I also love sales and marketing. I'd always work sales jobs in the tanning salon at the, this and that I'm always like, <laughs> I was like slanging shit since I was young. I was a real estate agent, you know? So I've always been like a hustler. So like, it really was like this perfect blend of everything. And so when I, when I was working with her, she started feeding me clients that were graduating from her program because naturally they yeah. just graduated. They were building their online, online business. They needed a brand presence. They needed landing pages to sell their products and services. Then they needed, you know, to host webinars and masterclasses and all of the things. So I naturally started working with the women that she was serving. And all I have to say is the girls fucking turn up for the girls. And I have never seen more support, love, friendship, honesty, like, like hashtag girl power. That shit's real. Like the girls that I would help were my greatest champions. Like they would send me so many referrals and it just became like a big girl party. And so I decided no boys allowed. And I've stuck. Yes. I love it. I love it. It's crazy how, um, obviously it's going to sound cliche, but the, the, the pandemic, it, it, it brought a lot of reinvention. It brought a lot of, I, I always, at the you know, I fucking love the pandemic. Uh, obviously with the health aside, I'm, I, a lot right. of, I think I'm an extrovert in some ways, but I like to be by myself in many other ways. You know, I think because of my job, I'm on stage a lot. I, I, I host a lot of events for Latinos and I, and, and I love it. I, I used to party a lot and I love being with people, but when the pandemic hit, it was like, man, I get to work on myself this whole time. I get to read, I get to plan. And I read this book called the artist's way, which oh, okay. I, I think you would love. Have you read it? Have you done it? No, but I heard it. I listened to an episode where you were talking to another woman about this book and I was really intrigued by it. She was, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. She's the, the salsa dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. So she also founded in many ways her salsa studio because of the artist's way. And, and um, I think I have it right here. And then my podcast was born from the artist's way. And mm. I, I see the artist's way, like, it's right up your alley. I think I think it would like just be a trampoline even more for who you are. So basically, wow. um, even in the first podcast, I Diona Griffin Irons, she's a she was the she was a former director of the Second City Diversity and Inclusion Program, and mm -hmm. in 2018, which this 2018 episode is the equivalent of me winning this contest with this contest at, at dance group. Okay. So in 2018, I just quit my job. was making a lot of money to went to making no money. It, it's, I mean, it's okay because I, I made that decision, but, but I wasn't expecting to not to make as little money when I first quit the bank, you know, and I auditioned for the second city, which is uh, for people listening one of the biggest comedy and improv schools in, in, in the U S and Canada. And in Toronto, they have they have one. And I like I don't know how many people auditioned, like 200, 300. And they would pick 16 people for a four-month scholarship diversity mm. and inclusion program. And I and I was picked. And and that was like the biggest validating thing for me. Cause I was like, right. I fucking told you, like, I'm I'm on the right path, you know? Yeah. And Directionally accurate. Let's go. 100%. Yeah. And then Diona, who lives actually in Chicago, 
because Chicago is a second city there too. She came to Toronto to, to deliver a workshop and it was called Finding Your Voice. Find Your Voice. And she told us that she, like when she was 18 or 20, she had a boyfriend. And this is in episode one, by the way. Um, and she had a boyfriend in Detroit and was like madly in love. She was she got to the main stage of the second city and madly in love with this guy. This guy was kind of shady, but she was finally in love. And then he's like, hey, can you actually go deliver this to the post office? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the way, she gets caught with like cocaine or something, goes to jail of, of the guy who was a dealer, her boyfriend. She goes to jail for like two years or something. And obviously that relationship, safe to say, it didn't go, it didn't continue. But in jail, somehow she gets uh, a hold of the artist's way uh, by Julia Cameron. And mm. she starts journaling. One of the things you have to do is you have to journal at least uh, 35 minutes every day. And in it, it's like healing. It's like mm -hmm. a master class on self-awareness. Mm. And you got to, it's 12 chapters. Every week is a chapter. And you have to do a lot of exercises on on that that really allow you to rediscover yourself. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I did it. I was journaling every day, and in it, I discovered that I love to interview people. I love to uh, know people's unique stories. I love to uh, be everybody's biggest fan. I love to connect people, and I love vulnerability. I love amazing stories. So I kind of put it together on the podcast, and that's how it was born. All tracing back to Diona in that workshop and everything. So. Uh, Going back to, to your story, I feel like the pandemic obviously sucked, sucked because of, of, of what it was, but it was a blessing in disguise. And it kind of allowed everybody to look in the mirror and be like, what the fuck do I actually want? Yeah, facts. And why am I, luckily I had quit the bank before, three years before that, but I'm like, I don't want to be in this cubicle for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Even though the bank was a great school for me and, and, and I wouldn't be successful had I not gone through seven years of the bank and a lot mm -hmm. of things. But school, if you, like if this. you had, if you, uh, I like to think that a lot of people had a rough time because it was a big look in the mirror and like, they were like, fuck, I neglected my family life, my fitness, my mental health, my spirituality, my fun. And now I'm at my house and I could justify because I was like, oh, I'm busy. I got to go to these client calls, blah, blah, blah. but I'm by myself in my house. And yeah. I'm like, fuck. I don't have a job anymore. You know, what the fuck did I do for the last 15 years or 10 years or eight years? You know, and yeah. it was a great way. And, and I find like you kind of found your tribe and you're finding it even more through these powerful women. Yeah. Looking in the mirror is looking in the mirror is scary. Not, not everybody wants to do it. And not and also not everybody's capable. I think that's something that as I've gotten older that I've really had to learn to accept is like my desire for levels of I'm going to use the word intimacy broadly, not in a sexual term, but yeah. my desire for intimacy, intellectual and depth in friendships and relationships like my standards are really high. And I used to have a really hard time with like family members or people that I really wanted like more with just couldn't, didn't have the capacity to go there. And I spent a lot of my early twenties trying to like fix that or 
be frustrated by that. And now I'm entering this new chapter. I'm like, you know what? The things that like the depth in which I'm able to go, the levels of self-awareness and change I'm able to achieve when I look in the mirror are not the same as other people. And I can't, I can't hold a standard of expectation that the people in my life, whether family or friends or whoever are capable. And so like letting that go has been a, a, a big thing too. And that's been just healing in my journey. It's just self-awareness of that. Yeah. This book is a, it's a masterclass on self-awareness. And then, um, I just feel like as entrepreneurs, we have to like continue digging every time. Everybody really, but as entrepreneurs, like the best and the worst thing is you can't blame anybody else, you know? So it's all on you. And and in many ways, I love it. I love it. I, I love it that it's, it, it's all on me. Mm. Um, and sometimes in the group coaching, I'm like, man, these people know a lot of shit that I don't know. But oh it's gosh, great. Yeah. It's great to be in this room, you know, and I kind of feel so proud mm. of us, of everybody in that room that's been like, man, we've everybody like smiles for the picture or any everything. But but the shit we've all collectively ate <laughs> in yeah. our own journeys Facts. make it into that room, you know, now, I know in my case, to, to cough up the 10 G's or whatever, it's not easy. And, mm. and and I'm not saying that it's easier for others. Obviously, there's like incredible, successful business people in, in in the room, but they've gone through a lot of shit too. And even like, you got to learn a lot in business. You got to learn a lot about yourself. You got to, uh, I, I saw one of those reels by Dan the other day with like, it's supposed to feel lonely, you know? And I was like, fuck, that's, that's, that's good stuff, man. That's good. Mm-hmm. I, I know you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned an ADHD fueled creativity, which I, which I love. Can you dive into a little bit about how ADHD has played a role in your success and perhaps the challenges it, it, it's brought along, but I know this is a big, this is a big part of your journey and I, and I know it can empower a lot of people. Yeah. You know, funny enough, I- when I used to listen to Dan Martell's content, when I was running my startup, he had a lot of content about ADHD. And I I remember being like, that doesn't apply to me. That's not me. Because I had no idea. It wasn't until like within- Oh, you didn't know? Oh, no. I like, I was totally your classical, like self-diagnosed TikTok case where I was like on TikTok watching content of people kind of simulating their experiences with ADHD. And like enough, I started watching- the videos and in their totality enough that TikTok was like, okay, we're going to sh- send her more ADHD shit. And so the more that I consumed, the more I'm like, hold on, like, this is not the way everybody's mind works. Like I literally thought my brain was the public standard. Like what's an example? <laughs> I mean, a classic example is like, you go to the kitchen to make a smoothie. You get the smoothie stuff out. While you're putting the smoothie stuff on the counter, you realize, oh, I forgot to feed the dog. You grab the dog bowl. You, f- you fill the dog bowl up. You're like, oh man, the, the floor is kind of like dirty around the dog bowl area. I think I'm going to grab us. I think I'm going to grab a rag and like wipe this up. Then before you know it, you're like, well, now I'm vacuuming. 
And then in 30 minutes, you look at the counter and you go, what the fuck? My berries are totally defrosted. I forgot I was making breakfast. Like that is legitimately ADHD. It's like your brain thinks that the immediacy of what's right in front of you is now. And one of the biggest challenges of ADHD is time blindness and the ability to like prepare long-term over time. And one of the joys of ADHD is that you really fucking live in the moment because the time literally is now and your perception of time is legitimately different than people who are not neurodivergent. So living in the now is beautiful and amazing. And I love that, um, like that innocence and like the inhibition, like the real, like, I love that part of me, but that part of me doesn't always help me achieve my goals. And yeah. that part of me, I used to be really mean to her and be like, you keep fucking up every day and just not understanding why my aspirations and my skills and my, my visions weren't matching up with my actions every day. And there was a lot of self guilt, shame, resentment towards myself about that. And when I learned about how ADHD really works, how it functions and how it makes me special or, or different. And I was able to find peace with those parts of me that were, you know, the, that were just that, that the executive functioning was just off and say, she needs some help. Like, let's be nice to her. Let's not treat her like shit. Like, let's give her the things that she needs to be successful. Like this version of me that was just struggling. Right. And so I started getting all these different kinds of tools and checklists and charts and all of the, I started doing research, like what's going to help my ADHD brain be successful one medication. So like I do that now. And then, but medication is not like, I had this concept of like, Oh, I'm going to take Adderall and I'm going to be cured. That's not true. I have 30 years of lifelong habits of like operating systems that are running inside of me that like medication doesn't fix those things. It just, it helps me be able to use better systems to be more productive and be more successful. So in the morning now, when I go to make my smoothie, I fucking make it. And I don't, I don't end up cleaning the house. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just the difference of like self-awareness and but yeah, I mean, ADHD is beautiful. There's, there's, there's so much like creativity and, and there's just so much to be had and hyper-focus itself. And my obsession with the things I'm obsessed about, like, those are all like beautiful, special qualities of me and learning to love those and not um, beat myself up about those things has been a huge win in this last year, for sure. When I see your Instagram stories and you, you post these, um, what are they called like the time lapses of of you working when when you when you see like the stuff that you're doing for all your clients oh designing on stuff on the computer yeah designing on, on the computer and the, the time lapses i'm like she put in a good work session today is that one of the things about adhd where, you, where you're hyper focused and you could be there for 12 hours like maybe not 12 hours but maybe three six hours Oh yeah. Like when I get into, when I get into flow for me, like the ultimate high of life is like getting into flow state, no matter what it is, whether it's working or whether it's yoga, something else that I really like yeah. to do is I, I really love to give massage. Like for me, like body work and working on somebody is like another form of, of, of flow. And, um, I just, I guess that's like my drug. I seek it. I seek out that all of the time. And so, yes, I can definitely sit for like 
five plus hours and just like be totally in it. But to get there, I have to absolutely exhaust myself physically, which is why like I work out so hard or I take breaks and I like, I dance till exhaustion or I do, I do yoga. And I mean, Dan talks about this all the time too. The pump is the cure, like a hundred percent. Like when, I don't know other people who are listening, if you have ADHD, you might experience this. They say that it feels like you're being propelled by a motor. Like there's literally this energy inside of you. And I guess the best way for me to describe it is it feels like, um, like a tactile electricity that like literally needs to, needs to be released. And it feels so good to like physically work through all of that energy and exhaust and like exhaust because then my brain's like, okay, let's, let's get to it now that the body is, is calm. Oh, that's, that's so good. You know, I, I, I consider myself a, a very disciplined person and, and, and balanced and I feel like the the battle of like I would love to be there for six hours just hustling on my comedy, you know? but I sometimes can't. But when I get to that flow, which is rare sometimes, I, I it's so enjoyable too. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. it, and the and the exercise for me, I was like, for many years when I quit the bank, I started this personal growth journey because I knew that. My, I wasn't the best comedian. I didn't have the most years in the business. On paper, I had everything to to fail compared mm-hmm. to other people who were funnier, had more experience, had more talent or whatever. And, and they quit and, and they still had to go back to their day jobs. So I knew I had to do something different. And I wanted to copy the blueprint of people that have accomplished extraordinary things. And in this journey and in this journey, I learned that it's all habits it's all systems. Mm. It's it's resting. It's exercise. It's reading. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, if you're a comic, if you're a, a, in marketing. It's it's all it's all habits. And I wanted. I remember saying to myself, like, I want to be doing this in forty years, still successfully. So I started to to research and read a lot of books. And exercise is mm. a great way for mental clarity. Like the pump cures it all. I used to think like, this is, I, I, I played soccer my whole life. I run like long distances. I run all the time. I do exercise. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'd, I'd rather work three more hours than go exercise. It's just like interrupting my day. But then I realized through this more research and reading a lot that it's like when, you know, you in Spanish, you say la estrellita, like the little star in Mario Kart, when you get the, the star, and you're oh, just sure. like, dun, 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 yeah, just like, Whoa, beating everybody. It's that mental clarity that you gain through exercise that you're just like, not only do you get some of the best ideas with the mental clarity through exercise, but as soon as you're, everything is better. You're more positive. You're, you're, you're focused. Uh, you are, um, it's just like you're you're constantly with better gasoline, better ideas, high output per time. So yeah. to anybody listening, yeah, the exercise is key. And and think about it long term too. Like you're you can't operate at a high output for every unit of time for the whole day. You you might as well establish these 
healthy habits that are going to help you long term. And in in my case, yeah. I want to be able to snowboard. Well, I don't know, ski with my son Liam when he's ten, fifteen, thirty. So I want to be able to to live a high quality life. And I just don't know if it's not possible without exercise. So highly recommend it. Okay. I I want to ask you about your insights, about your opinion about everybody's talking about personal brand, branding these days. Everybody LinkedIn, everybody talks about personal branding. Everything is online. Cool. Uh, what's your definition of of uh, of an authentic brand? And how could newcomers? I want your opinion on this. Newcomers come to, to Canada, come to the, the states, and basically they're nobody anymore. They have to do everything in a new language. They have to sometimes get a new career. And, mm. and I'm a big believer that if you are able to harness and, uh, and identify who you are and what makes you special uh, through good personal branding, that could make you stand out from everybody else that's applying to a specific job. Or even when you're in the job, having great personal branding on your website how you how you come across all these things make it make a big difference how what advice would you give to newcomers to immigrants in, in maybe those first five years that they could do hmm. i would say the first thing is to determine what you're genuinely passionate about not what you were once passionate about or what other people want you to be passionate about really think about what what moves you what lights your fire because when it comes to building your personal brand the key is being authentic and it's hard to be authentic when you're not genuinely passionate about something it yeah. has it has to fuel you in in a way that feels bigger than you and when building your personal brand it's really about asking yourself, how can the things that light me up, that fuel me, that I'm passionate about, how can my passion for this help somebody else? And when you are able to connect those things together, you're passionate about somebody, something, your passions have the potential to serve somebody else. And then it authentically creates conversations where you get to share your knowledge and your experiences with, with somebody who's maybe even 10% behind you, that's the formula for getting started on being directionally accurate in your personal Yes, brand. 100%. I like what Dan says, like, you only need to be inspiring. Like, you could make a living inspiring people who are just two chapters behind you. And a lot of people do that do that really well. A lot of Latinos, Latinas and Latinx professionals listen to this podcast. And could you explain in um, grade five English or grade 10 English <laughs> for, for those of, of our listeners who, who, whose English is not their first language, what is brand designer and especially sales funnel strategist? So even with a couple of examples, like what is, what's the ideal customer that you help and what does working with you look like in those first sessions? Yeah. So brand designer 
I create brand identities for women who sell their own products and services on Instagram. So I create for them their own logos. I help them choose the colors that represent their brand, the different kinds of fonts that they're going to use that speak to the, the tone of voice or how their brand would, would talk. I love that. So that's, that's the brand, the brand aspect. It's creating the vibe. So when you go to somebody's Instagram, you instantly like the vibe. You, you want to be a part of it. You want to know more. That's really what I'm trying to help my clients achieve is their, their online presence to represent them, to feel good for them, and then to make other people want to be a part of a part of what they're doing. And then when it comes to the sales funnels and, and websites, those are the, the web pages that help my clients sell their online products and services. So most of my clients, they sell digital education courses, online, online learning courses, or online group coaching programs, like the program we're a part of for Dan Martell. So I create for them web pages that help them sell these programs in a way that is, is strategic and incentivizes and encourages more sales for them. Would you say that a sales funnel is more effective once the brand design has been locked down? Like once you've done the brand design, like if the, if the, if, if you have a sales funnel and you go to a website, but it doesn't really, there's not a, a, a lot of alignment between that landing page and the brand and the product they're selling, it might not be as effective as if like they already worked with you. You have an incredible brand design, uh, font, colors that align with the person selling it and the product being sold. And then yeah. the sales funnel could be, could run a lot smoother, maybe. A hundred percent cohesion in yeah. your branding, cohesion and consistency is really important. Imagine if you walked into Nike and then once you got inside, there was a bunch of Abercrombie clothes. You'd be like, this doesn't really make sense, <laughs> right? Like I thought I was going into Nike. These, these, these don't match up. So the consistency of the voice, the look, the feel, it's really important because it it creates trust. And yeah. so when somebody clicks on the link in your bio to engage with you, to learn more about you, to see what it is that you are offering or that you're selling or how they can work with you and get involved, you want that experience to be in alignment with what they're seeing on your Instagram feed, because that's continuing to build that know, like, and trust. And you want it to, to feel like it's all part of a cohesive experience for sure. That's really important. A hundred percent. You know, I think one of the reasons why I, I look, I, I see your story so much because I think in a previous life, I might've done what you're doing. I, I have no idea how to do it. Zero expertise, but I'm a huge fan of this because um, for example, in 2021, when the pandemic kind of started and I have this friend in Toronto called Eme, and he is like a model and he's a, he's a good friend. And, but 
he started because he's a hustler too. He's he started in the pandemic. Uh, oh yeah, he had a he had a self made attire clothing where you could get custom suits. And then he oh. started. He called me up and he's like, "Hey, uh, bro," he was like, "You need to up your your uh, fashion game on stage." And I was like, "Tell me more." So yeah, we love like, this makeover. I'm, yeah and he's like i'm a personal stylist oh he's like give me a thousand dollars or or fifteen hundred dollars and i'll go get you like nine interchangeable outfits like you could and i was like 100 percent. i hate going shopping but i see the value i see so much value in this because so he's like but i can't just go we need to do like a he, I don't know if he said the words mood board, but he's like, let's go on, on Pinterest. And I need you to tell me the actors or celebrities or comics whose fashion style you like the most. Mm-hmm. And this was around the time that I was working on on starting this podcast. I read a little podcast book and it was uh and and now I do this for for my for my companies and 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 my, and my, like the not-for-profit that I have too, where, so like, what am I all about? Let's, let's talk about who I am. And then you could actually, what do you believe? You could come up with mission, vision, and core values. And then we started to develop this like mood board of people whose comedy, but also fashion sense I liked, which aligned with how I, mm. how I want to be perceived on stage, which aligns to my comedy. And we kind of got to like two or three people. And, and the main one, the two main people who's, who's kind of fashion and, and this is like the outfits and, and this is how I, I dress up on stage is, um, is John Legend and, and um, John Legend and Trevor Noah. And I think a little bit of, of um, oh, what's this guy's name? The guy who's... Um, from vancouver he's a he's a superhero um movie he's funny he's uh, ryan reynolds Reynolds. okay Uh uh-huh like that fashion kind of and and then we're like because i I try to express it in many ways and i was like i don't like like too many logos i don't like logos on my on my on my nothing i like it i like maybe a t-shirt and a jacket like full colors not like a, a lot of different things were like too flashy. I don't like that stuff. And kind of like like fun but elegant. And and that I was having that conversation with, with Maria Science, the who did my podcast uh, logo with with her cousin Maureen. So the lettering came about too because everything is influenced, you know, by 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 these conversations. Yeah. And uh, then the colors too. The colors. What colors kind of represent more? of this fun slash elegance and, mm-hmm. and also Trevor Noah's comedy. Even if, if like you see him and you think he doesn't swear and he doesn't talk about controversial things, but it's just that he looks like he doesn't, you know, yeah. but he can, but because he looks like he doesn't, a lot of other brands might want to associate with him because he doesn't look like the bad. I don't even, even if I wanted to be the bad boy of comedy, I don't look like the bad boy of comedy. I don't even want to be that person. So it was such a transformative experience for me because Mm. I got to finally 
put some uh, feelings and words and branding into who I am, how I want to be perceived on stage. And when I see your stories and I see you do this for your clients, I'm like, man, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thanks for sharing that story with me. I, it sounds like it was a really like fun and joyful experience for you to go through that personal branding process. And it's interesting. I've never really thought about like fat, like wardrobe stylists and how they are, they're designers of their body designers virtually. Like they're trying to find stuff that fits you proportionately. The colors look good. The vibe is yeah. on. And they have like their own really unique creative brain. And I love that there was like a mood board process. I think that's really cool. Um, that's a, that's a process that I do for my clients too. And I think that's like one of the most, that's like some of the funnest parts of the brand design process is like the early stages where you're conceptualizing and your brain hasn't gone from, you're still yes. like, you're, you're still in the clouds. The options are infinite. And then once you start to like draw down the inspiration, that's when like the wheels really start to turn. And for me, my mind, and like, this is when I, like, this goes back to me thinking that everybody literally thought like me was in my mind at any point, anytime I can pull up my design software in my brain and literally create anything I want. Like I can lay in bed and rework a website that I was designing into a million different versions and decide which one I want to then go. I go to the computer and execute. I can change the colors. I can move the shapes and all of the things. And I guess I just kind of always thought everyone's brain had the capacity to like be creative and manipulate things in that way. But I very quickly learned in the last few years that that is absolutely not the case at all. And working with clients and like realizing that creativity is such a spectrum. And when people say like, oh, I'm not creative, it doesn't just mean like, I don't do creative things very often. It like literally means I might not have the capacity to like tap into creativity where for me, like I can't imagine a reality in which my brain isn't infinitely imaginative. So it's just, it's interesting to, to have that greater understanding of other people. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think understanding that that is one of your strengths is key. Having that self-awareness because you thought everybody had it, you know, and having that strength, having that self-awareness about that strength allows you to double down on that strength and be extraordinary in this in this lane that you've picked in life i like i think about like my wife my wife does um this is why i'm pausing i don't even know how to explain it's like supply demand planning supply chain operations like excel analyzing data and i whenever i see her i'm like i'm so grateful that i don't have to do this (laughs) ever and and i'm like the least handy guy like zero fix my wife fixes everything and i'm like how how lucky am i that i was born in the like in in the 80s 90s not three thousand years ago i would have been killed like immediately you know, how amazing that I get to do the stuff that I, because I, I, I'm obsessed with studying high performers and people who've accomplished extraordinary things. I've and heard this people, about you. 
Yes, and the people who do this, I, I like I'm obsessed with documentaries and reading and, and studying. So the people who have accomplished great things in the world, it's not by mitigating their weaknesses. Obviously, you have to, to, to be able to operate at a specific level. But they do that by tripling down. This is the basis of buying back your time. You know, you triple down on what you're really good at so you can charge more because you're world class. And then you can use that money to outsource the things you suck at or hate doing and are not providing as much value okay. so that you can continue. Yeah, like the, the audit transfer fill, you know, in the, in the buy back your time. So in, in this process of the mood board and the fashion and uh, doing the Pinterest of people, people who I, I want to m- model myself after and everything. Yeah, it also helped, we're giving. Yeah, the outfits and everything. Then I actually got to take the like the my headshots and all my pictures for like my my comedy and my art and my keynotes through um, through this process. And the crazy thing is, as soon look, at, I'll show you that picture right there. Carlos Bolivar is the editor of this podcast. Love that. It's like, look, it's like the dress shirt with with the black tie with like a jacket. And it became the world cover of Toastmasters magazine. They've never put anybody on on the cover of anything. But it's just like uh, like the cohesion of. And I always like kind of was like, not embarrassed, but like I was like kind of scared or shy to like be 100% myself. And and once I figured that that was my superpower, I'm mm. like, fuck it. I'm always smiling. Why am I not smiling in my own fucking pictures in my own fucking attire? And I'm like, so, and that's my, that's the picture that won me. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Embodying yeah. yourself. Do you feel, do you feel like a, a pressure, like a, a masculinity pressure to mask any of your emotion like your your expressive range of emotions you're a very expressive person you're very smiley you look happy all yeah, of the yeah, time yeah. was that ever something that you felt like you had to 100%. cover and repress 100 like i was thinking about that for a joke um in um i wanted i don't know how to phrase it but i think the the premise would be like growing up i thought i was gay because I always like the girls part in the song. I always like to sing the girls part in the song. And and uh, I don't know if that's the, that would be the premise, but I was never the I'm I'm like 5'7. I was never the biggest. I was never the strongest. I've never gotten in a fight cuz I'll get my ass whooped. <laughs> and and uh fine like and and um but I was always good at sports. And I and and I, I was actually very good in school, but I never got really bullied about being a nerd because I was really good at soccer and sports and everything. So balance, um, the, the balance, the Libra, the Libra, the October 15. Ah. And so the a hundred percent to your question, I was always like worried about like not being manly enough or strong enough or tall enough or, yeah. or, uh, or not liking like, rock or punk or or like um metallica or whatever and, wow. and i was like reggaeton i like salsa i like reggaeton Reggaeton's a good I, like, vibe. I like um i i i like well i did like i have a i had a part of me where i i, I listened to a lot of punk in in high school 
but 100%. But the good thing about this self-awareness process is like, what if that could be my superpower? I always like to say like the things that you were sometimes ashamed of or wanted to hide Mm -hmm. or didn't want to show to anybody, that's the ones that you have to show the most Mm -hmm. because those are the things that make you unique. And there's this little, little, um, have you ever heard about Scott Adams? Uh-uh. The, the creator of Dilbert. So in uh in uh, the the Tim Ferriss podcast with with Scott Adams, he basically said something that was like transformational for me. And it's like <clears throat> basically becoming the best in the world at one thing is just too hard of a problem. If I wanted to if I wanted to beat you at what you do, I even if I did it for like 30 years, I might not even get there, you know, because I don't even, I'm not even that, well, I'm very passionate about it, but I, I'm not, I, I, I really admire what you do, but I'm, it's, it's not natural to me. So, but like, let's say uh, even like becoming the best at a hundred meter dash, like beating Usain Bolt, I'll never beat, even if, even if Usain Bolt is hung over, I'm never going to beat Usain Bolt in a hundred meters. <laughs> yeah. Even if he has like a broken, I'm not, and it's just too hard of a problem, but and sure. here's the catch: becoming very good, top twenty-five percentile in three things is easier, and just by the combination of those three specific things, it makes you almost world class or the best in the world at those three things. At mm. that combination of the three things. So, for example, Joe Rogan is podcaster Mm -hmm. and he's also a ufc commentator but he's also a comedian yeah and a lot of the people who saw him for comedy don't know that he has a podcast or at least years ago didn't know he had a podcast or that he loves the ufc a lot of people that watch the ufc have no idea that he does podcasting and stand-up but because of this sheer combination he's just irreplaceable Mm -hmm. Um, and it makes him so unique that it really adds to his to his talent and yeah. in my case, I always felt like kind of guilty about being so obsessed with productivity and personal growth that I, and, and, and being like so organized with my, with my habits and everything that I never showed it. <laughs> mm. And, and, and um, cause like growing in Latin America, macho culture, like that's something that girls do, you know, they plan in their agendas and they journal. I always felt like kind of guilty about doing it. So mm. I never really showed it in like such a misogynist culture but now i have this unique profile where it's like i have the business side of me of the banking and business now i have this personal growth productivity side of me but i'm also a comedian your character diamond the character diamond so how how fucking unique is how many comedians do you know that are obsessed with product not a lot and how many comedians do you know that worked in banks not a lot so that fine and, and it's embracing like what you were talking about in the beginning you know it's it's about embracing who you are and tripling down on those things that make you unique to be able to be world-class charge more buy back your time and the things that you don't like to do or are not good at and and then and then embrace those things that you can't change it by yourself mm, yeah now you really got me you got me spinning on the the master of three, because instantly the first person that came to my mind was Seth Rogen and yeah. being like an incredible 
actor slash comic and like comedian actor and then his persona being like obsessed and in love with pot and that like his his passion for pot is like it's a big part of his personality and then and then starting his business yeah his business is house plant right is the name of his cannabis like it's not cannabis it's like cannabis useware company right so it's like (laughs) all all of those things like perfectly lent hand and so you respect him on all fronts for for those reasons right it's like okay well you're you're like a glorified stoner but you're also a high achiever so i would never just write you off as a stoner and you're actually like speaking into the fact that some people you know use cannabis at high functioning levels is really helpful for them and look at what's possible and look at what i can do with these passions i can start a business and it can be successful and you know so I just um yeah i'm thinking now of the, like the power of three and and looking at that and i think that's really interesting the craziest laugh he's like <laughs> so wild Love but it. to to your point the i think the most important thing about identifying these three things is fuck everybody else who's not gonna like him that's irrelevant it's about finding your tribe through these three things yeah and this is and, and then those are the people like 1000 true fans fuck everybody else you only need a thousand true fans to to have an incredible living make an incredible living yeah and you can't do that unless you i i feel like you have self unless you have that Mm self-awareness like in seth rogan's case in the book his parents in vancouver i think they agreed to put him into a stand-up class when he was like 12 or 13 or 14. So we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg of, of the amazing things that have happened. But with his friend Evan, they were writing shitty jokes for years before he got to write to Judd Apatow in LA. And I think they, he flew him into LA and, they, and then he ended up being a writer at, like when he was like 18 or something. So it's these little moments of looking in the mirror and being like, what do I love? And you pursue that even if you suck, especially if you're going to suck most of the, because otherwise you would just peak too early. Most of the things where people are amazing right now, it's because they sucked 10 years ago. And totally, I was writing on Twitter 2009, things that I thought were funny, getting zero likes consistently. <laughs> It's okay. Years. Keep posting. Keep posting. For Gary years. V. Posting. Posting. Hundred percent. Yeah. Self awareness of of yeah. Gary V. Hundred percent. I wanted to to ask you as as we start to close. I'm a as I study high performers, I've learned that every strength has a shadow in many ways, and mm. I'll give you an example. So, I'm very disciplined. And my superpower is consistency. Wow. And my, so for example, if I say, I've been exercising for 67 days straight based on Dan Martell's non-negotiables. I've never done that in my life, but I'm, I'm so, I'm, cons- I'm very consistent in what I pick to be consistent. So if I say I'll do something, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> but my wife is like just on the other fucking side of the, and she's like, one day she'll wake up, she's like, this week we're going to the gym at 6 a.m. every day. And I'm like, 
don't fucking say that. Don't say it. Don't say it because I know you're going to the gym tomorrow. But you're going to be pissed at me when I wake you up on Tuesday mm. and you don't want to go. And, I, and listen, and, and I say, like, just I, I'm here to support you. And and the thing is, if you say it, we're doing it, but but you can't half-ass it. And one of the things that I learned about me is like sometimes <laughs> this consistency thing is so easy to become so natural to me that that I will get so pissed off at others mm. because I hold them to my expectations, but yeah. they don't have, they're not wired like me. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes with, with discipline or consistency, um, the shadow is that you get pissed off. One of the shadows is that you get pissed off at people who are not as consistent as you, and that might create friction or, mm -hmm. or, or, but, and the other thing is like, I'm very futuristic. Like the only thing that saves me is like that I'm disciplined, but I'm, I'm like thinking about the future and these ideas and everything. I was thinking about the podcast for like a year and I told my wife about it in 12 hours. She bought the whole thing. She's like, da, 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 da. like she, she'll execute. She'll execute, but she's not, she, she doesn't stick. Like she does. She's not consistent. I'm the other way around. I, if I start, I'll, I'll never end. And mm -hmm. when you talk about uh, your ADHD field creativity and, and, and your other strengths, you being able to like super focus and being amazing at what you do, what are, what are some shadows that you've identified from your, your superpowers? Oh, there's plenty, plenty of shadows <laughs> lurking around. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll absolutely answer that, but I, is it okay if I follow up with you first with yeah. what you shared with me? Yeah. Okay. That's just, that's just how I roll. I like, for me, conversation, it's like, once you, once you like put something out on the platter like that, I'm like, there's like, oh, there's like hors d'oeuvres, there's drinks. It's like, there's yeah. so many things now that I can like pick up from what you just put down that I'm like, we could like feast on this for a long time. Um, but I, I have a question for you. So you say that your shadow is that you find yourself projecting your expectations onto others and then divulging in judgment, which makes you feel yucky, I'm sure. Is there any sort of element of like all or nothing in your commitments that also you find to be a shadow? And like, yeah. is there like, is there a dark side of this kind of like all or nothing in, in, in your pursuit of your commitments? Well, I've learned through years of, personal growth since 2017, I guess, that I started that, that it's the all or nothing that sometimes brings the, the problems. So mm -hmm. that brings, that has gotten a lot of empathy because I, I, I thought everybody was like me, you know? So I thought like, if you're not going to, we said we were running fucking 15 kilometers. Why aren't you here at 5am? And if you don't do it, I'm like, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? We said we would be here, but but then you learn this empathy about like, there's other things happening. I, I, I don't know this, what this person is going through. And I thought everybody was just as disciplined as, as me. My mom is super disciplined. My dad is super disciplined. So, uh, but my brothers aren't. <laughs> uh, so, and my wife, I guess maybe that's why opposite attracts. But, but to your point is, I learned that the empathy and the other thing I learned that really helps me is through this course called Landmark, I learned this distinction called uh, committed but not attached. Mm. So 
I am committed to everything I do. But if I don't go to the gym tomorrow, I will not be attached to that fuck up. I'm mm. committed to greatness. And, and, uh, and if I don't go to the gym tomorrow because of whatever reason, and I, and I break my streak, <laughs> I, I will not allow that to fuck up my day. And I will not allow that to be like, oh, I messed up today. Then I might as well not go to this week. I'm not even going to go this week because I fucked up everything. You know, yeah. I, I don't allow, I'm not attached. If I don't make it to Netflix and I don't have my comedy special on Netflix next year, I'm not attached to that. I'm, a, I'm committed to performing at a high level and that will come as a result. So I auditioned for Just for Laughs, which is the biggest comedy festival in the world like four months ago and I didn't get picked. And I'm not attached to it. Like, obviously, I, I would have loved to get picked. But my commitment is to improving every single day, every mm. single year. And that is just going to happen as a result. So when it Love comes that. to the shadows, I try to not take it personal. Understand that everybody works a different way. And, not, and, and focus on the facts. Like, what happened? That person didn't show up. What did I make it mean? What story am I telling myself? And when you can distinguish the story from the facts, it's easier to not get pissed off and like suffer from it. Mm -hmm. I feel that. I, I like that concept a lot of the difference between like being committed and, and being attached. I have a whole, I have a whole story about attachment and I spent many years as a very like hardcore minimalist, very militant, very, very minimal lifestyle, like one or two pairs of shoes, two or three pairs of pants, like sleeping on minimalism, sleeping on the Japanese futon. Like I was really deep in that identity. And these last few years, I've really gone through this process of realizing that I was actually really attached to this idea of being non-attached to stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, and it, I'm like, there's like a, something going on here. Like I'm attached to this identity and like this is starting to control me in negative ways. So that's a whole nother thing. Um, but to answer your question about shadows, darkness, I mean, fuck, I've got, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of that for sure. I would say for me, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the, some dark sides of like the ADHD or the creativity. Like for me, the most destructive things are rumination rumination is a destructive um negative thought process for me like just repeating things in my mind or like reliving situations or ways that i would have done things differently sometimes it's hard for me to let things go but probably the biggest thing is perfectionism mm -hmm. and procrastination and how those two things are they are feedback. They're a negatively fueled feedback loop. And it's very toxic cycle for somebody with ADHD is getting stuck in the perfectionism procrastination loop. And I've spent a lot of time there spinning my wheels around and just having to be self-aware when you're indulging in those kinds of activities and behaviors and, and breaking that cycle can be really hard. But of course, like everything else, self-awareness is the first step, but self-awareness is not enough. Um, self-awareness has to be paired with consistent yeah reinforced action and that can be that can be difficult if you don't have self-discipline so I think it's the you 
to, to your point of the very beginning of the conversation, why am I who I am today? And the confident girl who seems like she doesn't give a fuck about other people's opinions. Where did she come from? Um, she, I mean, she came from uh, looking at looking at the shadows saying those are here they're not going to disappear but they need to be managed and embracing the things about me that are both good and bad showing up as myself and finding that self-love and realizing that no one's going to give it to me but me and yeah I just through all of that I just feel so much genuine joy and knowing that I know how to manage my energy now that I I know that going out and dancing in the, in public, in the parking lot, right when I'm listening to my headphones and the fucking song is on and I'm in the, in the beat, like nothing will stop me. There's like no level of, there's no level of like public discomfort that will keep me from doing the things that I need to do to manage my energy, my happiness, my joy, myself. And so I stopped caring what other people's opinions were about the types of things that I wanted to do to access good feelings within me. And once I started doing that, my confidence just was like contagious within myself and with the other people around me. And so the biggest thing is that when you realize that the things that you do for you, that make you feel good, that give you relief or that Mm -hmm. bring you joy or that spark, spark something in you in a moment when you can let go of public judgment of those things and do the things that feel good to you, that will make you more confident from my experience in anything ever. And that with that confidence, it fuels the reinforcement of putting yourself first and prioritizing the things that allow you to succeed, whatever those are, no matter how weird or strange they may be. I love it. That's fantastic. Who are your, uh, your top three artists to dance to, like that you always listen to? Top three artists to dance to, uh, female rapper caitlin k-t-l-y-n she's fucking crazy she's fabulous um machine gun kelly because i fuck with his dark shit i guess and i would also say saint john because that like trap music gets me rowdy so that's a good that's a good mix did you listen to machine gun kelly's episode on the armchair expert podcast i did not i'm like i'm like a machine gun kelly like super fan like you will lose your shit go listen to it today tomorrow okay it's, I will. it's like a year or a year and a half long like old but but um very vulnerable very cool uh, i think you're gonna love it um okay we've come to the end the last question that every guest gets on the podcast it's the champagne oh. question and it goes like this if it's actually a question that I got from a mutual acquaintance of uh, Dan and I. It's, a, it's how I got to Dan. It's Jason Gaynard. And he is like a, an amazing networker and hosts these like incredible mastermind dinners and retreats. Mm. And uh, I met him in 2008. He actually sold me Kanye West tickets in 2008. And then I met him 10 years later at an event here in Toronto. And I, I met a lot of people and that's how I got to Dan. I so the question is... Yes. And, and he, through his podcast and his little book on how to organize amazing mastermind dinners, not little book, it's, it's just a little, it's size, but it's an incredible book. He, he, he sends you like 300 incredible questions 
mm-hmm. that get people talking for networking, for interviews and everything. And my favorite one is the champagne question. And it goes like this. If we were to meet a year from now with a bottle of champagne, what are we celebrating in Hannah's life? Hmm. Celebrating the commitment to the execution of the greater vision and celebrating that I have launched my entire product offer suite that I've been sitting on my hands on for the last three years. And it's finally in the world, serving women, helping women in their life. And we're celebrating the ripple effects of me forcing myself to be bigger because when I force myself to be bigger, I can do more and help more people. And that's what I'd like to celebrate. Amazing. Oh my God. What an episode. (laughs) Just a great time. I know people are going to love it. Vulnerability, design, sales, self-awareness. And and I think that a, a lot of really good insights on how to love who we are, but also take ourselves to the next level through self-awareness and and action. There's a quote that I love, which is like, in impatience with action and patience with results. And I, I that kind of helps me cope with the day-to-day when I don't feel like maybe I'm getting the results I want, but like, okay, let's, let's act and be patient. Mm-hmm. Thank you so reps. much. Yes. Putting in the reps. Thank you so much, Anna. Any, any uh, closing remarks? Thank you. Just thank you. I enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed diving deep and going into the trenches with you on some of these topics and If anybody wants to connect with me, I would love to find you. Join my fam on Instagram. You can find me at Design with Hannah. I offer all sorts of free design resources. If you're trying to grow your online business, I've got all the free templates for you. Send me a DM. Send me a DM. Say you came from Stefan's podcast and let me know where you came from. Love to connect with you. Hannah Gorlick and Stefan Dyer on the Stefan Dyer podcast. Gracias por escuchar el Stefan Dyer Podcast. Arrivederci, my people.